Hey, how you doing? My name is Mike. I'm your host. This is the FBTV Video Podcast. You can uh, see the FBTV Video Podcast in its entirety. If you're a client of Tautoa, you can uh, log into the Insider, the FBTV Insider. That's the uh, review area. And you can watch the uh, whole video. But... For those of you who aren't, you're going to be able to listen to the audio. And uh, if you wish, you can go to our Freakbroker TV YouTube channel. You'll find that at, uh, well, just do a search on uh, YouTube, Freakbroker TV. I believe the the address is youtube.com slash Freakbroker TV. That should get you there. So you check it out there as well. Now, the topics today, the the topics you're going to see on the uh, YouTube, well, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things today. Lease purchase, we're going to be talking why a carrier should think about becoming a freight broker. You know, we get, okay, I'm the, uh, in case you didn't know, I'm the uh, lead consultant at Tautoa. And, well, Tautoa is a training and consulting firm for uh, the transportation industry. Our specialty is freight brokers, but we work with uh, carriers as well. And we get calls all the time from carriers. And this is why this topic has come up today. Why a carrier should be brokering freight. We'll talk about that today as well. Okay, what is today? Today's February 10th, pushing 8 a.m. on this Thursday morning. Today is cream cheese brownie day. Man, don't that sound good? I I shouldn't eat a cream cheese brownie, but probably would if you put it in front of me, right? <laughs> Flannel day. Thank Al Borland. Tool time. Home improvement. Flannel day. Um, you know, that's something I like. I, I, I want to get. I, I like to get some good flannel shirts. You know, a lot of them I see anymore, they're, they're paper thin. You know, the ones I used to have when I was younger, man, they were they were almost a coat. You, you know what I mean? It's also Umbrella Day. Don't ask me why. I, I guess they felt like there should be an Umbrella Day. There's a day for everything anymore. Uh, we answer your questions. Uh, take your comments, messages, whatever you can. Uh, leave a question on our website. Or if you're watching YouTube below the video, but <clears throat> no, that goes. Uh, the only videos we're posting on YouTube is going to be just portions of this uh, video podcast where we're talking about the topics. But uh, you can email us too, fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. Got the forms on our website. You can even go to uh, Skype. We have a, a Skype presence. You can uh, just do a search for us, connect with us. Uh, call us, leave a message, a question, whatever. Uh, FBTV, just a search for FBTV. I don't think Freight Broker TV will work. Hold on, I'm gonna, I haven't done that yet. Broker TV, uh, shoot. Not Freight Biker TV. I, I know Freight Broker TV will get you there. All right. And it don't look like anything's going to happen with Freight Broker TV. I'm not going to worry about it. FBTV will get you there. But you can uh, call, leave a message, uh, your question in a voicemail, whatever. And don't be surprised if you hear yourself on uh, one of our podcasts if you, or videos, as far as that goes. Today's impossible question. If you want to play along, I hope I remember to answer this question before the end of the uh, podcast. One study found that when a team loses the Super Bowl, this business will see a 200% increase in that city the next day. (laughs) One study found that when a team loses the Super Bowl, this business will see a 200% increase in that city the next day. (laughs) A lot of things come to mind, but there's only one right answer. All right, what else is going on? Birthdays. You having a birthday today? Happy birthday to you. 
Pretty good company, Jimmy Durante. Remember the guy with the big nose? He was born on this day back in uh, 1893. Robert Wagner, Denozo's dad from NCIS. He's 92 today. A lot of speculation over that guy, him and uh, Natalie Wood. You know, did he, was he the one that pushed her over or murdered her? No comment on that. Always been a lot of speculation. A lot of people think he didn't. Being Denozo's dad on NCIS, uh, well, Michael Weatherly, Weatherby, whatever his name is, he, you know, he's quitting Bull, the TV show. That's over. It's going to be interesting to see if he goes back to NCIS. I think it'd be pretty neat if he went back to NCIS and took over Gibbs' job. You know, I don't know. May, I, I, it sounds like a good idea in my head, but it may not be. Mark Spitz, back uh, in the uh, 72 Olympics, won seven gold medals. He's 72 today. Bruce Dern's daughter, Laura, she's uh, having a birthday today, 55. <clears throat> today in history. Now, this is going to be interesting. We are, we've got a couple of things to talk about here in today in history. First electric arc light is used in a California theater. But on this day, back in 1983, U.S. independent truckers called a halt to an 11-day strike. And I thought that was pretty interesting, considering what's going on today up in Canada. <laughs> and uh, what's uh, getting ready to happen here in the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, they just embarrassed themselves, if you want to ask me. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But we're going to be talking a little bit about these trucking strikes. But anyway, back on uh, back on this day, back in 83, the 11-day uh, strike was over. Uh, snippets of an article that appeared in uh, New York Times. The headline was, 11-day trucker strike called off amid signs protest had collapsed. Yeah. Leaders of the ITA, Independent Truckers Association, announced today, this remember this back in 1983, that their 11-day strike was over. The cited assurances from several dozen congressmen that they would examine the scheduled increases in federal fuel taxes and user fees. We are officially asking independent truckers and small fleet owners who have joined the shutdown to get back to work as soon as possible. That was from the uh, president of this uh, independent truckers group. His name was Michael Parkhurst. It was not known how many of the truckers would follow his request, but uh, federal officials said the protest was virtually already over. Truck traffic has increased in recent days, and the police reported today the acts, get this, that the acts of violence against trucker, truckers and vandalism against operating rigs was down sharply from <laughs> last week. Now get this, thousands of trucks have been damaged. There have been 638 shootings of drivers and trucks or both. Drivers of, uh, shootings of drivers and trucks or both. So, 638 shootings. That's according to the Associated Press. One driver was killed in North Carolina on the last day of January of 80, uh, 83. The first day of the strike. At least 66 had been injured. 95 had been arrested in connection with the strike. There was uh, very little serious produce shortages. Officials said that the uh, few serious produce shortages could be attributed directly to the shutdown. Although prices of some items were up. Going down three here. Just uh, I mean, it goes on talking about uh, the strike being over. But what caught my eye was uh, the story that were in the part of the story that said the strike had been opposed by drivers who were company drivers, union drivers. Uh, the strike was opposed by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. And, and here's the one that caught my eye. The ATA, the American Trucking Association. Bennett C. Whitlock, Jr., president of the uh, Trucking Association, said the independent truckers had jeopardized industry efforts 
to persuade Congress to reduce or eliminate the scheduled tax and fee increases. If anything, Mr. Parkhurst's irresponsible activities has made it more difficult for concerned members of Congress to appraise the truck tax situation without appearing to be giving into the bully tactics he fostered. <laughs> anyway, I just with all the events going on up in Canada, what's well, getting ready to happen here in the U.S., I say getting ready to happen. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <clears throat> I thought it was pretty interesting. Now, that was in 1983. So I was, uh, I thought it'd be interesting. So I figured there'd be some articles or new, you know, video from the uh, strike, you know, from 83, but I couldn't find any. But I did find a couple of uh, news stories, news reports, from uh, the 1979 strike. Four years earlier, apparently, there was a strike. <laughs> Get a load of this. Independent truck drivers here and across the country plan a nationwide work stoppage at midnight. Truckers say shortages and the rising cost of diesel are about to drive them out of business. Here in Chesapeake at Frank's Truck Stop, the price of diesel fuel is nearly 83 cents a gallon. Nationally, the average price of the fuel has jumped from more than 63 cents in January to 86 cents this week. One trucker we talked to said he's seriously thinking about selling his tractor trailer because he just can't afford to operate it anymore. A trip that used to cost, say, $62, $65 to pull is now costing me $100. And it's uh, eating in both my profit and company profits. And uh, not only the cost of fuel, but everything else is going up so bad that it's just uh, eating the independence profit and uh, the, the right to earn, earn, you know, the power to live, uh, earn, earn a decent salary for his family. It's eating that money up. Another long-distance truck driver, Robert Verona, Florida, says tonight's strike will cause things to get worse before they get better. The truckers, when this gets going tonight, it will get generally worse as time goes on, and it will starve the country out. It will put the country at a standstill, and that's for sure. Verone says truckers are also upset by the different weight or load limits in the various states, and they'd like to see those restrictions become uniform across the country. As for tonight, truckers say the word is out that there may be shooting and other violence to prevent trucks from making deliveries, including nails on the roadways and blocked fuel pumps. Truckers say they'll hold out as long as necessary until the government does something about their gripes. Ava Hurdle, Area 10 Eyewitness News in Chesapeake. <laughs> That's a... Uh... A new story from uh, 1979. And did you hear the fuel prices? Was it that video or the next one? We're talking about the fuel price. 60-something cents a gallon or whatever it was. Going up under a dollar a gallon. You know, when I had my trucks back <clears throat> back in the mid-90s, I would uh, I would have a serious talking to, if not let a driver go, that bought fuel that was more than a dollar a gallon. And here we are now pushing, what, $4 a gallon? Unbelievable, you know. Compared to a year ago, you know, why it's got to be up over, well, it was going up a year ago. Still got to be higher. I mean, you can look back. You know, we had uh, several good years of low fuel prices and low inflation, low employment, and then bam. Pretty much two things have changed. COVID, obviously. And we had an election. <clears throat> you, you do the math. Anyway, uh, another story that uh, relates to the same strike in 1979 from the same TV station. Check this one out. I'm Ava Hurdle. Here at Frank's Truck Stop in Chesapeake, business has fluctuated between moderate and slow in the 76. hours since the nationwide independent trucker strike began at midnight. Truck drivers are protesting a number of things, primarily the high cost and shortages of diesel fuel in the last few weeks. Maybe they say that, it. coupled with the higher maintenance costs and load limitations that vary from state to state, are causing them to lose a whole lot of money. Many truckers pulling into Franks today say, although there have been reports across the nation about shootings, obstructions of fuel pumps and nails on the road, so far that hasn't happened on Virginia's roadways or in the Tidewater area. On your way down here, did you run into any difficulties on the road? No, I ran Pennsylvania, 81 all the way down. I didn't. The only place where I stopped to get a bite to eat was in uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. You couldn't get no fuel there. Everything was blocked off, but they didn't bother you. You could go up and down the road, nothing was said, you know. 
Other independents say they've heard numerous stories of possible violence in one trucker for a frozen food company said he's almost scared for his life. Yeah, sure am. That's why I stayed here last night. I didn't know whether that uh, midnight strike was going to go off or not. So that's why I stayed over here. There's been snipers on the bridges and, and cars running by you and trying to run you off of the road. That's about, about the main thing of it is. They could smash your truck down, they could replace it, but not us. So far here in Tidewater, the strike has had little or no effect at all. Truckers we talk to say right now things are relatively quiet in Virginia and North Carolina. When asked if there would be blocked fuel pumps or even violence, one trucker we talked to said, I just don't know. Ava Hurdle, Area Tonight, Witness News in Chesapeake. Did you see all those uh, cab overs? I started driving uh, a cab over. My first truck that I had as a company driver was a cab over. Had an option. I could do a hood and make, what, 17 cents a mile? Or I could take a cab over and make, what, 17 and a half? You know? Oh, I'll take the money. Man, spring ride, freight liner, cab over. That <laughs> wouldn't advise that anywhere today. Anybody. California used to, uh, I, I'm sure they still do have a lot of cab overs going up and down the road. You don't see a lot of those out on the road anymore. All right, lease purchase. That uh, has been in the news for the simple reason. <clears throat> There's an article just came out. There is a task force going to be put together to examine lease purchase agreements. And this is just a waste of time and money, if you ask me. But uh, nobody is, so <laughs> I'll still give you my opinion. The uh, A provision tucked in the bipartisan infrastructure funding law calls for the formation of a truck leasing task force. Now, you may be wondering, okay, what, what, what what's this truck lease, lease purchase thing? Uh, a lot of companies, trucking companies, offer drivers a lease purchase where they can... Uh, Either be a company driver, drive the company truck, be, you know, a company employee, or they can become a lease purchase, an owner-operator, lease purchase owner-operator. And the idea is they will become an auto-owner-operator because they're going to be leasing a truck from that trucking company. <clears throat> and after X amount of time, if they stay with the company, you know, throughout the uh, however many years it takes to pay off that truck, they will own it, bottom line. Now, granted, the majority of the drivers that get into a lease purchase never end up owning the truck. And the ones, uh, so they're, you know, they're investing all this money, they're making truck payments, this and that. <clears throat> and when they quit the company, when they quit the company, they go out and, well, they don't get to take their truck with them because the only way they own the truck is if they stay long enough to complete the lease purchase. And to be able to complete the lease purchase, they've got to stay employed or contract to that trucking company. See what I mean? They, they never own the truck till they complete the uh, contracted period. Now, once they, if, if they stay long enough to complete, yeah, they can, you know, it's their truck. That's the, the idea anyway. But over the years, a lot of people have learned, too, that the company that they had got into the lease purchase with really never owned the truck. They were leasing the truck themselves, like through pack lease or whatever. Yeah, that can be a problem. You know, there should be full disclosure on that. There should be a way for these uh, people getting into the lease purchase to be able to check to make sure that the uh, trucking company does have ownership uh one, one company comes to mind was aero trucking out of tulsa they went out of business here a few years ago and uh when the dust settled a lot of the trucks that were involved in a lease purchase according to my understanding were never actually owned by aero trucking companies so anyway anyway the provision this provision uh the lease purchase uh, uh provision here and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Funding Law, signed into law on November 15th, calls for the appointment by mid-May of a wide-range task force 
of no more than 10 members. The DOT, in consultation with the uh, Department of Labor, will be responsible for appointing the task force, <laughs> which will include at least one rep, each from labor, owner-operators, motor carriers, consumer protection groups, consumer finance lawyers, and businesses that provide lease purchase agreements in the trucking industry, which I would think would be trucking companies, maybe. The task force will ultimately send a report of its findings and recommendations to Congress. Woohoo! Let's get the government, the DOT and DOL. The availability of owner-operators and their equipment is critical to the supply chain, but the ability of hard-working men and women choosing to own their own business is even more critical to the country and our industry. That's according to Nick Gill, if I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I apologize. He's vice president for workforce policy, and here's those famous three letters, ATA, American Trucking Association. That's what he said in his statement. He said he looks uh, forward to working with the FMCSA on ensuring a balanced task force that looks at the issue in an objective manner to make recommendations that maintain that opportunity with the appropriate safeguards. Okay. The, the main appropriate safeguard I could see here is some way, okay, uh, a trucking company should not be able to enter a lease purchase with a driver, offer a truck to a lease, uh, in a lease purchase with a driver, unless they own that truck. All right? Or have the ability to pay off that truck when the, uh, should the driver stay long enough to, uh, finish the uh, lease purchase contract. Uh, I'll tell you, most don't. Most don't. Most get into it so they can be an owner-operator, independent contractor, and learn. That's that's most of it. Okay, I'll, go, I'll get into this more in a moment. Now, uh, obviously, you got the uh, ATA getting involved here. You got OIDA, uh, Norita Taylor, a spokesman for OIDA. That's the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association. You've heard me talk about them before. We have pushed for something to be done about predatory lease purchase agreements for many years. Well, of course. While the supposed goal is for the driver to eventually own the truck and become a full-fledged owner operator at the end of the lease, the agreements rarely end that way. We'll talk about that in a minute. The lack of oversight often leads to disastrous results for the driver. Yeah. They, they're not buying it. They are if they fulfill the lease. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's not a contract where they're like they went to the uh, truck lot, bought a truck, and they got financed. The, the, the trucking company's not financing the truck they're leasing the truck now if you finish if you finish uh the contract and made all your payments and then you know yeah at the end of the lease will be your truck that's that's how the contracts are written so anyway here we got uh ata getting in here saying the ata is just acting like yeah they plan on being at the table oida they're hoping to be at the table uh, going on specifically, the law calls for task force to examine common truck lease uh, arrangements available to commercial motor vehicle drivers, including lease purchase uh, agreements, whether any inequitable terms and agreements affect whether a vehicle is kept in a general city of good repair, and the impact of truck leasing agreements on the net compensation of commercial motor vehicle drivers, including port drayage drivers. Uh, okay, in a lease purchase agreement, the owner-operator is taking full control, owner-operator owner uh, responsibilities of the truck. It's their truck. It's their truck to make sure it's maintained. You know, bottom line. Obviously, if the driver's not maintaining the truck, the trucking company can step in and maintain it for them and charge it back to the driver, because that is the driver or the lease purchase owner-operator's responsibility to maintain that truck. I'm talking about, you know, oil changes, tires, things, you know, repairs, things of that nature. So if they're talking about 
making the uh, trucking company responsible for upkeep, uh, they're nuts. They're just nuts. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pay a lease purchase driver owner operator wage for me to have to take care of that truck. You know, the other thing too is base plates and insurances and things like that. Hey, if you're a lease purchase operator, congratulations. Yeah, a trucking company may cover it for you, but you're going to be paying for it. It also asks the uh, task force to determine if truck leasing agreements properly incentivize, 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 <laughs> I can't talk today, incentivize, the safe operation of vehicles, including driver compliance within the hours of service regulations and laws governing speed and safety generally. But I'll also ask the task force to explore if lease agreements allow drivers to earn a rate commensurate with other commercial motor vehicle drivers performing similar duties. In other words, are they getting paid the same as a regular owner-operator? It's always been my experience, and I'm, you know, I haven't worked for every company that has a lease purchase, but when I was in lease purchases years ago, yeah, you know, I, I was an owner-operator in that company's eyes. I was a, uh, I did a, a contract, a lease contract with that, did a lease purchase contract that was separate, but also did a, a, the owner-operator lease contract so I could work under their authority just like any other owner-operator was that owned their own truck. The only difference was I was buying my truck from the company through the lease purchase. And I got paid the same. I got all the benefits, everything else. Now, there may be companies out there that are not doing this. But to my experience, yeah, I was I was an owner-operator. <clears throat> Bottom line, so I don't know. Apparently, either they don't know or they're guessing. You know what I mean? But I thought that was interesting that now they're going to get involved. Now, here's where I see a problem with this. First of all, if you're a company driver and you're thinking about, be, you know, hey, becoming an owner operator, lease purchase is a great way to get into it. <clears throat> now, a lot of you are going to turn your nose up. Oh, Mike, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's got an opinion. That's fine. Here's why I feel that way. A lease purchase gives somebody the opportunity to take on the responsibilities, become an independent contractor, become their own business as an owner-operator through a lease purchase without all the liability. And what I mean by that they can walk away from it anytime they want to and will have no effect whatsoever on their credit, on anything. It won't hurt them. They can walk away. They can even go back to the company and say, hey, this lease purchase thing, being an owner-operator, isn't you know what it's cracked up to be. It's not for me. I want to go back to being a company driver. And more times than not, the trucking company is going to say, okay, and they'll tear up the lease, they revert back to being company driver, and they're still in the same truck more times than not. You see what I'm saying? So, but it gives the uh, you know somebody that's thinking about they want to become an owner operator. It gives them the opportunity. Gives them the opportunity to get out there in the world and get the experience, start learning how to operate their own trucking business. You know, they, they start learning that, uh, hey, they got to put money back because they're going to have breakdowns. They got to be thinking ahead. They got to start thinking like a business person. The thing with me, I, I whenever I got into a lease purchase, I never got into the lease purchase with the idea that, hey, in three or four years, I'm going to own this truck. No. <laughs> you know, three or four years driving it. Uh, you know, I, I, even if I did keep it and own it, I would take it and trade it in. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's by, by that time, it's 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 ready. You're ready for a new truck. You know, three or four years, five years on a big truck, you're ready for a new truck if you're working that truck. <clears throat> now, my my thing was to get in there, get the experience, figure it out, make money. Yeah, because as an owner-operator, I was making more money. I controlled my own destiny. Yes, I had breakdowns. 
Uh, yes, I had to put tires on it. Yes, I had to keep the maintenance up. But also ran it to where I could make more money. Because I was making more money because it was me. You know, I was controlling my destiny. And that's what a lease purchase allowed me to do. <clears throat> now, a lot of times what happens, and I've, I, I think I've discussed this before, is you get a young driver, they get into the lease purchase, and they, they uh, for whatever reason, they get upset. You know, something happens, dispatch, whatever. And uh, they get upset one day, and they just quit. Now I quit. And they walk away from the lease purchase. They walk away from their truck, and it hits them right then that, hey, I, I you know, I can't take my truck with me. And more times than not, it's going to be pride that keeps them from going back, or, you know, from the beginning, they, they already had it in their head. They didn't care. They, they kind of had it in their head. They wasn't going to own that truck anyway. It was just opportunity. And, you know, to, to, yeah, to, to tell you the truth, the drivers I have come across, they, now they, it could be a trucker story, but more drivers from prime trucking up there in Missouri. I've heard more of them say that, you know, that, yeah, this is my second lease. This is my third lease. You know, which infers that they completed the previous leases, but it really could be that maybe they just, hey, I want to do a new lease. I want to upgrade my truck. So I don't know. But but uh, they, they those guys up there seem to stay in it longer than other people. I know they went into uh, had some situations, lawsuits or whatever in the past. I don't know how those worked out, but that's been a while back. <clears throat> so uh, these people that were in the lease purchase, they walk away, they get mad at the trucking company because all drivers get mad at their dispatcher or trucking company at some point in time. And more times than not, they say, you know, screw it, see you later, bye. I can get, you know, be on another truck that afternoon, you know, for another company. Some of them, though, they, uh, they, they you know, they, well, I, you know, I, I want my own truck. They, they liked being an owner-operator, having, you know, their own truck. Just that sense of ownership. So they make a few phone calls, and they find out it's pretty easy to buy a truck. You know, not that difficult. Really not that difficult at all. So they go to the truck lot, they pick out a truck, they buy one, generally used, they get out there, you know, now they got it in their head, nobody is going to uh, take my truck. If I quit, the truck goes with me from here on in. All right, so they're out there. And, you know, they, they got the pride of ownership, pride of being owner-operator, no lease purchase, it's their truck. If they quit, the truck goes with them. Well, during this time, they start checking and looking and seeing the load boards and things like that, and they uh, see that rates are up there, 250, 275, 280 a mile, whatever. And they're getting $1.75, $1.50, whatever they might be getting from the company they're leased onto. And their wheels start turning. You know, they, they're going down that road... And when you're behind the wheel of a truck, you got a lot of time to think. <laughs> I mean, think a lot. And they're doing the math in their head. They're at the truck stop, you know, and they've got the paper and pen out and the calculator. And, wow, I could be making a lot of money. You know, yeah, I could, I could use a broker for all of my loads. I use a broker as a dispatcher, and there's dispatch services out there. I could use them. I don't need. I could be my own trucking company. So they go out and they uh, get their own authority, insurance, buy a trailer. It's not too hard to do all that, not too expensive. And next thing you know, they're their own trucking company using a broker 100% of the time. They're already out of business and they don't even know it yet. You know, a trucking company needs to have their own customers. That's where they're making money. All right, let's get into that topic for a minute. That brings me back to uh, why a carrier should broker freight. Now, 
you're a trucking company, a small trucking company. More, you know, I, I get calls like this from trucking companies all the time at Tattoo. Matter of fact, if you're interested in learning how to become a freight broker, freight broker agent, whatever, check us out, Tattoo, T-A-L-T-O-A dot com. We are a transportation and logistics training and consulting firm. We consult freight brokers. We work with uh, freight broker agents. We work with trucking companies, all kinds of companies in transportation all across America, the world, actually. And uh, had some. We, we, we've had uh, clients over in the Ukraine, and I haven't talked to them in a while, but if you guys are paying attention to our podcast and things like that, let us know you're doing okay. been meaning to uh, shoot you over an email. Uh, down in Mexico, San Salvador, the UK, we've had clients around the world because, uh, you know, transportation is transportation. You know, believe it or not, a, a broker in the UK, well, you, the, the, you're brokering freight the same way in the UK as you would anywhere. You know, it, the, the process is the same. The laws are a little bit different, but the process is going to be the same. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So you're a trucking company, and maybe that's how you got your trucking company started, what I was talking about a moment ago. You uh, bought a truck, got your own authority. You thought you could make it by using a broker 100% of the time, using a broker as a dispatcher, or maybe you went out and got a dispatch service. And, you know, you're starting, man, you know, why is, why is money so tight? I'm working, I'm rolling, I'm running. But I'm not making any money. Well, part of that is because you're using a broker for 100% of your loads or a dispatch service. You need to have your own customers. <clears throat> That's bottom line. Yeah, you may start out using a dispatch service or a brokerage. Uh, matter of fact, my recommendation. Well, uh, you know, Honestly, I was going to say my recommendation would be, you know, connect the dispatch service, you know, but there is a place for a dispatch service. You know, if you're one owner operator, you're sitting behind the wheel all the time. You don't have time to be looking at the load boards or you don't have somebody do that for you. Yeah, maybe a dispatch service may be up your alley. But if you do have the time or you do have somebody at home that can do that for you, like a spouse, girlfriend, wife, whatever, let them do it. Okay, and what I'm talking about is watching the load boards. Because if you're using a dispatch service, you're, uh, that load's costing you anywhere 5 to 10% more than what it would have cost you if you would have just worked with that broker direct. Now, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm getting a load from dispatch service. Yeah, but they're getting it from a broker. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You're paying them to do the load board thing for you, you know. You need to have your own customers. Now, I've got trucking companies call me weekly, you know, every week. Yeah, I've got my own trucking authority. I want to be able to get my own loads, so I want to get my broker authority. Well, you get the right idea. Yes, you should be, you know, brokering, getting your broker authority somewhere down the road. Even even as a carrier, you should get your uh, broker authority, become your own brokerage operation. I'll explain why here in a minute. But uh, understand... You've got your operating authority to be a carrier. That authority allows you to get your own loads from customers direct. So if you are a trucking company with your own MC number, you're, you know, you're, you're authorized carrier for hire through the FMCSA. Yeah, that's, that's what that authority is for, is to allow you to obtain your own customers build a customer base, and get your loads directly from the customer. You don't have to be a broker to connect with a shipper. You, you, you know, a broker, you've got to have a broker authority if you're going to broker loads and connect with the customer. But, you know, authority, having a carrier authority allows you to solicit freight directly from the shipper or the customer. See what I mean? So why would you want a uh, broker authority? Well, it's the same reason all the big trucking companies have their own brokerage. They have their own brokerage uh, authority because it allows them to broker their excess freight. Now, what do, I mean, what do I mean by that? And they can broker the loads they either are unable to call, haul for their customer or they don't want to haul for their customer. Okay. 
uh, if you're a small trucking company, maybe you got one, two or three trucks. You get it, go out here, get one customer. You know, one, a couple of two or three trucks, a couple of two or three customers. That, that three customers might be pushing it, depending on the volume of freight they have. But uh, what you're wanting is enough customer, a customer base uh, large enough to be able to keep your trucks loaded. So uh, I'll just use an example of maybe you're based in Dallas, Texas. All right, so you're wanting to develop customers around the Dallas, Texas area. All right. So you get a customer. Now, you're dealing direct with that customer. Since you are dealing direct with that customer, there is no broker involved. You see what I'm saying? So you're getting 100% of that freight rate. Whatever that customer's paying, you're getting 100% of it. You're also able to, now if you're large enough, and generally you're going to have to have five trucks to be able to even think about doing this, but you're going to be able to go into that uh, to that customer and sit across the table and hammer out a contract. Okay, uh, That's where you're going to be able to hammer out the tension fees and and uh, fuel surcharges, any type of accessorials and things like that. But the main thing is you're getting 100% of that rate. There's no broker involved. There's no dispatch service involved, so it's all going to you. Now, let's say one of your customers has a load going to Atlanta, Georgia. So you're making, that, that's going to be your head haul. The load picking up in Dallas, that's your own customer. That's where you're making the big bucks. It's going to Atlanta, Georgia. That's a head haul. Now, when you get unloaded in Atlanta, what do you think you want to do? You want to get right back to Dallas as quick as you can because that's where your money is. That's where you're making the money. There's no broker fees. It's going 100% to you. So if you don't have any customers in Georgia, which you probably won't, that's when you're going to be using a broker to get your truck a backhaul to get back to Texas. So you're going to be giving up a little bit of uh, money off the top. That's going to be the broker fee. That can, you know, whatever you and the broker negotiate, whatever you agree to, but you should be making enough money to be able to get the truck back, pay for the fuel, pay for expenses, pay the driver, and then still put a few bucks in your pocket. But you're paying for the convenience of getting that truck relocated to the destination you need it to be to be able to pick up another uh, load from your customer direct where you're making the big money. Time is of essence here. All right. Matter of fact, uh, you know, I see on the load board sometimes talking about a tri-haul rate. Uh, go back, you know, on the YouTube videos, check it out because we got a, a video up there somewhere about tri-haul. Maybe I'll... Uh, stick it up at the end of uh, one of these videos, you know, at the uh, end where you can link to it. It explains that trial. It's just a, it's a game. But anyway, neither here nor there. So, a broker is designed to be a convenience for a trucking company to help them get a load so they can reposition their truck to a destination they need that truck to be. We're a backhaul service. All right. See what I mean? We're here to assist trucking companies. Now, why should a trucking company broker as well? So they got a customer over here. Okay. You know, you got two or three trucks maybe. Got a couple of two or three customers. All your trucks are out on the road, and your customer calls you. Well, I got this load. I need to get it uh, uh, over to uh, Philadelphia or whatever, you know. Well, your truck's not available. Your trucks are all out on the road. There's no way you can cover it, at least not until you get one of your trucks back. If you have no broker authority, you're going to have to tell that customer, hey, sorry, we don't have any equipment available. And that load's gone forever. There's no money to be made off that load. See what I mean? Now, if you had your own broker authority... You can say, hey, I don't have any of my trucks available, but uh, I can get you a truck because we are also a broker. So it's going to give you the opportunity to make money off that load. Otherwise, you would not make any money off of. So you've got another stream of revenue from your same business. See what I mean? Now, one word of advice, if you're listening to this and you're going, hey, man, that's what I need to do. 
okay, understand you need to set up, uh, you got your carrier company, corporation, and you need to set up a corporation for your broker uh, operation. They need to be two separate corporations, okay, set up separately. It's a liability issue. You know, as long as you're set up separately, if something was to happen and the trucking operation got sued or whatever due to whatever reason, uh, couldn't touch your brokerage and vice versa. See what I mean? If you got questions about any of that stuff, feel free to call me. Uh, call me at Tautua, 479-668-0838 if you're wanting to uh, learn how to broker. Matter of fact, we recommend always, you know, start out as a broker agent, unless you've got experience as a broker and you know that's what you want to do. But as a broker agent, we can place you. Uh, it goes into our mentorship program. And that will allow you to uh, begin your broker operation and start getting the experience and building a customer base. Okay. Anyway, check us out. Tatoa.com. T-A-L-T-O-A.com. We got it. We got self-study packages all the way up to full-fledged uh, our 12-month uh, standard consulting for a brokerage. So happy to help you out. All right, now, <clears throat> let's get into, uh, this just blows me away. This Canadian deal, the Freedom Convoy up in Canada, my hat's off to my Canadian associates, my buddies up there in Canada. Hats off to you guys. You know that Justin Trudeau, he's in hiding. He talks about it about you, talks about, uh, you know, come on. You know, I wish we would have had time. We still might do it. Uh, saw a speech Trudeau gave yesterday. I don't know, it looked like he was in some governmental office or something like that. Uh, you know, talking about how these uh, truckers were uh, terrorists, you know, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of media is doing that too, and it's crazy. But we we're going to take that speech and everything he was saying bad about him and put his audio behind the actual video, you know. Matter of fact, uh, I, I caught it last night. There's a, on YouTube, I think it's called Ottawa Walks. Okay, Ottawa Walks on YouTube. Do a search. You'll, you'll, you get close to that. I'm sure it'll pop up. But it's this fellow up there. He's got his uh, own YouTube channel, and he's been walking around the uh, truck uh, freedom strike area, whatever you want to call it, the convoy up there. And, I, you know, take some of that and put Trudeau's speech uh, under that video, and, and you see... People standing out in the streets, singing, dancing. They got their grills out. That they've got uh, those uh, kid tents, you know, that you know, hop around stuff, stuff out there for kids. It's more like a fair atmosphere. It's not a terrorist thing. <laughs> I, I, and it, you know what kills me is you know these politicians. And it's the same way here in the States. I mean, we watched it over the years, you know, last few years, where, you know, people, you know, these thugs were out there looting, and it's happening now, you know, too. Uh, stealing stuff, breaking down, burning cities and everything. And politicians and even some news media was saying, no, nah, it's peaceful. We don't see it. But, you know, it's crazy, man. But, uh, well, they'll stick to their guns, won't they? I, I mean, uh, something could be on fire, and they will tell you it's not on fire. They could be feeling the heat from it. <laughs> but they will not tell you it's on fire or admit to it. Anyway, this was kind of funny. DHS striking reports of potential truck convoy in the United States and a Canada truck protest. All right, I'll read this or parts of it anyway. The Department of Homeland Security, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is involved. They're aiming to get ahead of a planned demonstration in America tracking reports of a potential convoy. Amid several Canadian truck protests against COVID mandates, the agency, quote, is tracking reports of a potential convoy that may be planning to travel to several U.S. cities, unquote, that according to a DHS spokesperson. The department has not observed specific calls for violence within the United States associated with the convoy. And they are working closely, closely with federal, state, and local partners <laughs> to continuously assess the threat environment and keep our communities safe. By golly, we don't want those bouncy houses around our, our towns, do we? 
<laughs> people dancing in the street. <laughs> DHS will continue to share timely and actionable information with the public. A report by Yahoo News said the agency is warning U.S. law enforcement and public safety officials that a trucker convoy protesting COVID-19 vaccine mandates similar to those taking place in Canada could begin February 13th. Oh, it goes on and on and on. But a day before, a day before this, uh, the DHS got involved and started, you know, talking trash. Organizers of the People's Convoy, nor for, formerly known as the uh, U.S. Convoy to D.C. 2022, <laughs> they posted an update on their Facebook page Tuesday, February 8th, uh, saying that the uh, date for this convoy is going to be March 4th. Uh, somehow, DHS has it February 13th. They're already starting the uh, politics on this. I don't know. Crazy to me. Don't don't get me started on this stuff. You know, it just uh, seriously, it's 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 so silly. What what's happening up in Canada? It's been happening down here, and I the, you know, and if you look around the world, it's all all coming together. You know, everybody's getting tired of this stuff. Everybody's getting tired of the politicians lying. We've always known it, you know, even going back to that. That's why I brought up the, uh, the 1983 and 79 truck strike, you know. A lot of times I think you get the politicians out of the way, the world would be a better place, don't you? Anyway, it is what it is what it is. All right, that's enough for this week. I've said enough. Matter of fact, we've gone almost an hour today. Can you believe that? All right, go have a... Have a great Thursday, good weekend. We'll talk to you next week, unless, of course, you've had or made other plans.